Hey, Shoujo fans, and welcome to episode 53 of Shoujo Sunday. This week, we'll be reviewing episodes 7 through 9 of My Happy Marriage with Pete and Miles of the What Do You Say anime podcast. Let's dig in. Well, for the first time ever in Shoujo Sunday history, hi, boys. Hi. Hello. What an honor. <laughs> Hello. I'm so excited to have you guys on. Me and Chica are both so excited to have you guys on. Very excited to be here. Yes. You you two join like the very small list of men that have been on our podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, for those who are listening and somehow might not know you already, could you guys explain who you are and what your podcast, What Do You Say Anime, covers? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll introduce myself first. Uh, my name is Pete. Uh, I am the host of the What You Say Anime podcast. We've been going strong for almost five years now. Woo-hoo! And we are a weekly, I'd say, variety anime podcast where... We sort of have a structure of things that we do from time to time, whether it's, uh, you know, watching shows and giving our reviews on them, but we also do stuff like games. We do a variety of things, like we did tropes with uh, Chica, who's on an episode. We did a shoujo episode. We kind of just do a lot, kind of like what's ever on our mind. We kind of just run with it. So um, it's a lot of fun. If you like week-to-week anime podcasts, you should check us out, and I'm going to pass it to my co-host, Miles. Yes, um, I'm Miles. I am a co-host of the What Do You Say Anime podcast, and I've been on it for almost three years now, I guess. Uh, Pete brought me on. My main contribution is helping host our Watch Club episodes, where we just sort of review an anime voted by our community and talk about that and what we like. Yeah, and I love the variety of what you guys do, because there is something for everybody like chica for example who has seen a lot of anime and me who has like i watched a lot ish 10 years ago and then i forgot a lot and then i feel like i'm kind of a newbie again so Mm. i feel like i'm able to as a newbie go in and like listen to the stuff that you cover that i'm familiar with and then also you guys recently did an episode about like world building and i was able to listen to that and like not really get stuff spoiled for me either but still learn about what you guys think about world building in anime and stuff like that so i just and the games are so fun that you guys do yeah Uh, so it's fun to like play along in the comments and stuff like that so i really just love the variety of what you guys are doing thank you so much that means a lot serious thank you so much we we try yeah yeah in my opinion you succeed yes <laughs> thank you of course so my next question for you guys i guess let's just start I'll, I'll single out miles first i guess what do you love most about shoujo content oh goodness you know that's a tough question there's so many things i think i love how relatable characters are at least to me in shoujo where when i was growing up and my friends would watch anime you know it was a lot of uh, shonen, which I never sort of resonated with, and I, I just didn't think that I 
liked anime that much. But when I grew up and learned about more of it and everything, you know, um, I realized that uh, there are there are characters that I resonate with more, and that a lot of the time that's you know shoujo. So if I had been introduced to Sailor Moon as a child instead of Dragon Ball Z, I'd probably have been an anime fan like a lot earlier. Ah, mm. uh, for me, it, it's kind of different because when I started getting into anime, I was just consuming everything. I didn't really know what demographics were. I knew what genres were, obviously, but like. I, I would sit down and watch my love story. I didn't know it was a shoujo. When I sat down and watched Yona the Dawn, I didn't know it was a shoujo. I just really liked this content. And then, you know, later on, started when I started figuring out more and more of what goes on in anime and, like, what demographics really mean, I f- find out that I really do resonate more with, like, uh, shoujo content than, say, like, shonen content, like Miles was saying. And I was like, oh, that sort of makes sense. You know, a lot of these works are written for women by women and i think i just i don't know something about that just like it was a different change of pace than what i was normally used to and then once you start diving into it and sort of sort of seeing like the art styles like you know recognizing clamp mm. uh from a ver- variety of different content whether it's you know like code geos to something like holic like that's all clamp and it's just like oh they're like picking up on that stuff really started to like resonate with me and i started really getting into you know more shonen or sorry shoujo properties than i think i would say like more of the mainstream shows and yeah it just it led me down a hill and now i'm like i try to consume all the shoujo anime that gets created each season um i definitely started reading more as well and yeah it's just it's just a lot that goes into it that just is such a variety of content than i would say what's out there so that's that's really what resonates with me with shoujo Mm -hmm. yeah i love the relatability of the characters even if it's like you know not exactly a copy of like real life and not because the anime is not always grounded in reality but it's just nice to like have your own emotions and things you've thought and felt reflected back to you on the screen Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i think shoujo allows you to really sit in characters feelings Mm. rather than sort of breezing past it to go to something else or to go to a new scene it's like oh okay this person is upset by recent events and we get to see how they process it so I just really enjoy that as well, like within shoujo. Yeah, I think they handle like emotions way better. Like how I how I think a character feels, I have a better grasp on characters in like shoujo or Jose compared to some other properties. And that that's what I really like. Like I gravitate towards characters. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite anime characters in general is like Sarasa Watanabe from Kageki Shoujo. And I just I mm. just feel like how she is presented in that show. I can just, I could feel her. And like, mm-hmm. I really don't get that with a lot of other properties. So it's just one thing that I just absolutely adore. Yeah, absolutely. And we love Sarasa here as well. She's wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have one last question for you both. And that is, what are your overall feelings on My Happy Marriage? I'm a big fan of My Happy Marriage. I think it does a wide variety of things, uh, whether it's the drama, the romance, uh, the supernatural. There's a lot of elements that go into this show where I think some people may be pulled away from just because it is doing sometimes like three or four things at once, but I love it. The ride is fantastic, and I'm a huge fan of Mio and Kyoka. They are such a great couple. They're two fantastic main characters going through two different struggles, and it's honestly one of my favorite shows from 2023. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. What about you, Miles? Yes, yeah, so I very much enjoy uh, My Happy Marriage. Uh, I've been watching it uh, with my wife, Kayla, who also very much likes it. But over the weekend, I, I rewatched these episodes, you know, in preparation for this conversation. And what I found was that on a rewatch, there's like a lot of very interesting um, like expressions and like directorial things that sort of hint towards things, uh, which I, I really liked from a like a show writing perspective, I guess. What I will say, though, is, and I maybe I can work through these feelings here, I don't know what I think about Mio and Kyoko. I don't necessarily like their relationship a ton, I think, currently. Oh, hot take. So we, we can talk through it, yeah, because I think it has, has room to go, and there's a lot that happens in these three episodes. But I, when I first watched this, I, I was a big fan of it. But then, rewatching it, I wasn't, sure if I was. So, you know, I'd like to get through that at some point, I guess. Interesting. I'm very curious to learn more. And I guess with that said, let's dive into episode seven, Glamorous Lady of Summer. Here is our soft surf summary brought to us by Wikipedia and maybe lightly edited by me. I didn't edit the sum summaries that much this week, guys. So we're, we're going for it. So, Mio requests Kyoka to take her to the Saimori residence one last time after hearing that it had completely burned down. When they arrive there, Kyoka informs Mio that Shinichi and Kanako have abandoned their residence entirely and moved to their house in the countryside. The Tatsuishi family did not receive punishment, as Kazushi has replaced Minoru as the family head. When Mio asks Kyoka about Kaya, he tells her that Kaya will be sent to a strict household as a live-in servant. Meanwhile, at the Tatsuishi residence, Koji tries to reassure Kaya that they can rebuild the Saimori family, but she shrugs him off. After Mio thanks Kyoka for rescuing her, they run into Koji. Koji informs Mio that he will be leaving for training in the old capital to get stronger. Mio and Kyoka return home and make their engagement official. Sometime later, Mio meets Kyoka's older sister, Hazuki, who becomes Mio's tutor, since Mio yearns to be re-educated as a proper lady. That night, Kyoka finds Mio having another nightmare and deduces that it is the Asuba ability. The next day, Kyoka's supervisor, General Okaido, informs Kyoka that someone has unsealed the gravestone containing grotesqueries. Elsewhere, Arata plans his next move. And that is our soft serve summary. So getting into episode themes, let's start with Miles. Do you have a theme for this episode? Sure. So my theme for this was uh, escaping from the source of trauma doesn't mean that you've dealt with your trauma. Oh, finger snaps. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that when Mio goes and deals with, you know, she looks at her, you know, the old house she used to live in and how it's it's burnt down. And I think there's some amount of relief that she has that this place that was tormenting to her is sort of gone. There's also some sadness with, you know, other aspects of it. But, you know, she's, she still has the nightmares. We'll see later. She still has sort of PTSD episodes from the events that happened there. And I think that she needs to get to the root of that still yes yes definitely agree what about you pete do you have a theme kind of piggybacking off of miles starting anew so with the house burning down and i feel like the climax of this big battle scene 
everybody is sort of at a, a stage of their life now where they're going their separate ways. So um, whether it is the trauma, but trying to say like goodbye to the, the house itself. And then with Kaya and you see uh, Koji sort of moving away to the countryside for training. Uh, it's sort of everybody starting like this new journey in life with this new chapter, I guess. So that's kind of the theme that I got with it. Yeah, yeah, I can totally see that. Chica, what do you have? My theme is sort of a pulled quote from Hazuki. I said, um, no matter the size of the flower, they all have names and they are all beautiful. I love that so much. Yeah, I was like, I thought that that would be a good theme because I feel like it's really in tune with Mio and that she still isn't as confident in herself as she could be. Mm -hmm. And so... It felt as if Hazuki was sort of reiterating that no matter what type of person you are, but in this case, she was talking about flowers, that um, you have a name and you're beautiful. So Yeah, I love that. I actually have a different Hazuki quote as my theme. I put, in order to live as beautifully as we can during our life, let's do our best to bloom. Mm, okay, yeah. Which is kind of a mixture, I feel like, of yours and Pete's themes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So getting into sprinkles on top. Does everybody have sprinkles on top? I have two sprinkles on top. Oh, okay. What do you have, Miles? So I guess my first one is that when um, Mio is looking at the stump of the, the cherry tree, uh, that's turned to ash. She was wearing a like a cherry blossom kimono, mm -hmm. and with that tree representing to her like her mother and her like real family and all of that. I I was thinking how even though this was burnt down, she still has like blooms on her, and she can sort of carry forward those memories, and that the tree sort of lives on in her. You know, that was my thinking there. Oh, that's really I nice. love this. Yeah. That is so sweet. How am I supposed to top that? <laughs> <laughs> How are any of us supposed to top that? <laughs> Miles has two of them. Yeah, right? Uh, sure, I can, I can do my other one too. I wanted to talk about uh, Hazoki in general because I think that she's sort of representative of like modernity mm. in like a very sort of neat way. And we'll see this, I guess, a little further on. But in this episode two, she comes in, she has a very modern outfit on that we haven't necessarily seen as much of, especially within these like high-ranking families. You know, she's wearing like heels and a sundress. Um, she's teaching about like Western sort of ideals and everything. And uh, I guess not to skip too far ahead, but you you learn that you know she had a hard time being a like a traditional wife, so to say, but she still you know had that. So I, I guess I just sort of viewed her as like an influence away from these traditional roles that we've seen people in up to this point. Mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, I was trying to like put my finger on something about her this whole time, and I think you hit the nail on the head with that. Yeah, I think that Hazuki's like another point of view on what womanhood could be, mm. because we've only been seeing if you are a woman, you are a homemaker, you're supposed to get married and have whatever kid, and da 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 da. -da. So for her to be so different was just really interesting. And it's like, even though like we do learn later on that some things didn't work out for her, she's still able to teach women how to be a lady that didn't necessarily like stop 
who she was or how she's able to act with others. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think it was, I forget who said this quote of her, but like the no matter what type of flower we are, like let's bloom is like maybe her even speaking to herself in like that regard. Like I don't fit this completely, you know, form fitted thing and you don't either, but let's do our best, right? Like let's be the best people we can be. I love her. She's wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. Pete, what is your sprinkle on top? Yeah, so mine was the burnt down house sort of symbolizing the fall of the Saimori family. Mm-hmm. I, I think in some cases when somebody is involved with like a fire, you lose your possessions, but you don't really lose what's important to you. But in the, for the Saimori family, they did. They Not only did they lose their belongings and their housing, they also lost their power. And I think they also lost their respect mm-hmm. with, within that community. And just seeing that come from such an evil family was such a great like representation of just, you had everything and then you lost it. And you know what? Sometimes bad people deserve that. So that's, <laughs> that's kind of my symbolism for this episode. Yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely. Definitely. I think I said in the last episode, like, burn, baby, burn, Disco Inferno or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Chica, what do you have? Hmm. I put this here. It's also connected to the flower scene, but basically, like, Mio says that the day flower um, from the flowers that are in the garden at Kudo's house is, like, her favorite. And then um, Hazuki says that oh it's technically a weed but it's beautiful and that it's able to just bloom in one day and so I was kind of hoping at that point that you know maybe this is them telling us that Mio has bloomed and now she's just there or available but mine is not my sprinkle on top is not as deep as miles and speed so i think no i think that's wonderful right because like weeds are also persistent and able to like overcome harsh environments and everything so Uh i think that's like a very apt comparison to mio yeah yeah i definitely agree my sprinkle on top is specifically about the peony flower I googled symbolism with peonies because they were so front and center in this episode. So peonies apparently represent happiness, romance, bashfulness, literally word for word. The next thing is happy marriage, (laughs) honor, prosperity, good fortune, and wealth. And I think that that was like the perfect flower to use. Yes, it just perfectly symbolizes everything. Yeah, literally happy marriage. I love that. So let's move on into Floats Your Boat. Pete, would you like to kick it off? Yeah, hopefully this doesn't come off evil, but (laughs) uh, seeing evil people get what's coming to them is a fantastic feeling. These people were awful to Mio, I'm assuming awful to other people, and seeing what's coming to them was just such a great cherry on top, just... Oh, it was so good. <laughs> yeah, that is actually also my first Blitzer boat. Uh, just the fact that Kaya has to go work in a house that's known for its strictness is absolutely like chef's kiss. I was mm-hmm. giggling like a child. <laughs> like, I was so happy. <laughs> yeah, me as well. Because I just, I don't know. I wish we could have seen the parents like be out of their mind with like the house is gone. Like, I, I would have loved to have seen that. But I agree. Like, they needed that comeuppance. Yeah. Miles, it's one of your floats your boat. So the first one I have written down is Hasuki in general. Mm. Um, <laughs> just almost every time she's on 
screen. I just love her cheery demeanor and everything. I thought she brought a a great change of pace to the cast that we have so far, where, you know, Mio is so reserved and so is Kudo that having someone who is sort of extroverted and lively was was great. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Hazuki is just like this bright light. She's just so wonderful, especially the way she's so eager to teach Mio. She's just so happy to be part of it and just get to know this woman who's going to marry her brother. She just has such good energy. Yeah. And she's also sort of different from Kudo in that way. Because Kudo, like, it takes time for him to warm up to people. And then Hazuki's just a ray of, of sunshine. Yeah. Yeah. Chica, what is one of your floats your vote? I don't know how other people will react to this, but I actually really appreciated when Mio asked Kudo for permission to speak to Koji with her eyes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the reason why I liked it is just because, like, Koji, like, yeah, that's her childhood friend, but, like, they did want to be together at one point and the stuff, and which I don't know if Kudo knew that at the time. But still, it was just like, oh, okay, that's nice that she did that. And then I guess to sort of just add this other point that I had or other floats your boat that I had is just the way that she ended up rejecting Koji as well, like later on in the scene. She's just really a class act because like I didn't think that Koji was actually going to be like memory lane. Remember when I confessed to you after her fiance like bombastically saved her from being choked to death? Because it's like, why am I going to be thinking about your feelings for me when like my fiance literally blew up the gate and got me out of here? and stuff um yeah that's another segment for me <laughs> yeah oh oh okay but i mean i just i think the way we could compartmentalize i just think the way that she, yes. <laughs> she did it was so nice just i don't even remember what you're talking about and then he's just like what and it's like there's no way that she doesn't remember and then that's when he like it connects that he's like oh this is how she's saying no so, mm. yeah. I guess my my next Fletcher vote is about Koji. Mm-hmm. So I'll just go into that. I just like that he's going to retrain to get stronger so that he can protect who and what he cares about. You know, it's nice to see him having a fresh start. We're going to have fun when we get to the end of this because I got some words. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Oh, oh boy. Okay. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> my, my Rocky Road section is feeling a lot like some of y'all's Floats Your Boat section. That's all. <laughs> I feel like this show, Rocky Road and Floats Your Boat, are like, almost the same thing in a lot of ways because yeah. I, sometimes I just split stuff up so there's some variation. <laughs> <laughs> That's, you know, one thing that I found interesting, am I allowed to like go back an episode yeah. to reference something that happened? Yeah, okay. yeah. So when when Koji is confronting his father in the episode before this and he makes like everything float in the room, I, I believe I typed in our Discord's anime chat like, oh my god he's like really powerful because it felt like that to me yeah i just didn't know like the scaling and so you know when he 
I kind of felt bad for him when he's like, I have to go get stronger. And I was like, dude, you made an entire room of furniture float. That's pretty right. <laughs> that That is pretty impressive. I agree. <laughs> and not everybody can be Kudo. So it's like what Koji was able to do, it still was good, like in comparison, because like we saw, I think in that same episode, we get to see a little bit of Kaya's power, which is just her spying on people. And that's like nothing. So like it is appropriate for her, but yes. Yes, <laughs> it is. Um, Pete, do you have any floats your boat left? No, I do not. Okay. Miles, do you have any floats your boat left? I do. I liked that they had a very low-key engagement ceremony. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that someone with, like, the familial trauma that Mio has, just having an engagement ceremony with, like, people who are so immediate, I think was pretty good and nice for her. You know, because if he had invited his family members, the the lack of hers would be pretty stark, I feel like. Mm. And so I thought that was a really heads-up move. Uh, by him to have this sort of low-key, intimate, just the two of them and their version of the Justice of the Peace, sort of, uh, for their engagement ceremony. And they were both happy after that, and I that made me happy. I was happy they were happy. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was a really, really sweet moment. I really, really liked that a lot. And especially them finalizing it after all of this chaos, you know, they really, really deserved that moment of peace. Yeah. Um, Chica, do you have any floats your boat left? I guess I have three. Okay. So I think this is after the engagement ceremony and Mio is asking Kudo if she can like get re-educated on how to be a proper lady. Mm -hmm. And so she's just staring at him (laughs) and he looks at her and she starts blushing. This is my last one too. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's just so head over heels for him. And so at first I thought, oh, Is he teasing her? Because he could tell that she, like, is really into him. But then I was like, I can't, I'm not sure because he, like, checked her temperature for real. (laughs) And I was just like, come on. Like, not only is she blushing, she's holding her face. Right. Like, she went full, like, oh, my God. Yeah. I thought he was teasing her, too, at first. And then it kind of hit me. I'm like, oh, no, he really is, like, just that dense. And that's there's something kind of endearing about that, too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was a very, very cute moment that really got me. I was, like, holding my own face. (laughs) Yeah, because I was just like, oh, she's so cute. And then I was just like, why is he dumb? Like, (laughs) she's so into you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Do you have any more, Chica? Yeah. So I like the fact that Kudo invited Suzuki over to give Mio lessons, but he made sure that he had the day off so that he could still sort of observe them together. And I thought that that was really sweet. Mm -hmm. And also Hazuki, like... When she's just overcome by how cute Mio is and she starts hugging her and then just says that she should come to her house and Kudo's just like opens the door like no. (laughs) Yeah. Because she knew that he was listening at the door. So I thought that was really cute as well. Yeah. They have such an interesting sibling dynamic and I I really like it. Yeah, me too. So are we good to move into Banana Split? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's get into Banana Split, the stuff that we're kind of unsure about, not sure where to put it, stuff we have questions about. So starting with Pete, what is your first Banana Split? Yeah. So there's a scene where Mio is at the house 
house and she goes to the old tree that her mom planted and she sort of touches it and a glowing light pops out of it and then the tree disintegrates. And so there's something behind this tree, this stump that is something's up with it so that was that was my big question with this episode oh yeah i had that in my nuts point like i thought it was crazy i was like what what is that light that came out and then i was surprised yes what is this yeah i was surprised that kudo didn't see the light yeah maybe it was more of like a feeling and an artistic choice like she felt something it wasn't like really shown kind of thing it's funny, I put that in both Nuts and Rocky Road because, like, watching the cherry blossom tree stump disintegrate in front of her was, like, kind of devastating because that was kind of her last trace of her mother that she was aware of. So it had, like, that kind of vibe for me. But um, mm. I love how that one moment could be in so many different segments. Yeah. Um, Miles, what is a banana split of yours? Sure. So I was unsure how to feel about Mio rejecting Koji the way that she did. Okay. I completely agree with Chika that she did it, like, very heads up and sort of socially aware. Mm. But I I guess, like, I, I don't know, as a guy who, who's, you know, had to confess to people and stuff before... It's nice to get like a like a direct answer, and I feel like especially okay. especially for this guy who's been pretty much the only positive thing in Mio's life for a while, um, you know. And your fiance did just burn his house down like a little bit, like you know. Mm-hmm. So I guess I would have liked her to have just sort of been like you know answered it more directly. I guess is. What I think, I don't think the way that she did it was wrong, and he seemed to understand, and, like, I, too, would be more in love with this universe's version of Colonel Mustang, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I feel like I would have I would have liked Mio giving a little bit more of a direct answer there, because sometimes she struggles with directness anyways, and so I feel like that could have been a good step for her. Yes, I'm I'm with you on that. I do wish there could have been more clarity there, but I also just have to say you just gave me a revelation. <laughs> I like I have such a crush on Mustang and I'm like why is uh Kudo so attractive? To- it's just this universe is Mustang. Yes, <laughs> just yes, that. It's just that. <laughs> I think with Mio, I think she just tries to mimic the people. Like when people talk to her, I feel like she just tries to mimic the way that they speak to her back to them. So like there was a previous episode where Godo was invited to their house. And I mean, he was drunk, but he told Mio, like, why would you even be with Kudo? Like, you should marry me instead. And like he was joking. But at that point, when she responded to Goto, she was just like, I'm sorry, I prefer my fiance. I want to stay with Kudo, you know, and she was very serious in responding to it. So I don't know. I feel like maybe if Koji had been slightly more direct because the way that he said it was just like, do you remember that day? What I was about to say, right? And he doesn't say it that she was just like, oh, I remember that that day, but he said it indirectly. And so then she's just like, I actually don't remember. So then she's also saying no indirectly. Yeah, I think that's fair. I took Koji not saying it directly because like Koji knows he's lost. Mm, He just wanted that final like. In my opinion, I guess he wanted closure on that because 
he even talked about how useless he felt compared to Kudo, mm-hmm. right? And like that he wants to fix that so that he can feel worthy of someone to love him because he can like protect them the way that Kudo was able to protect Mio. So my take was that he knew he lost. Otherwise, he wouldn't have like said, hey, Kaya, we can like pull this together. Our lives aren't over yet. Let's mm. like, you know, bully up. But he did want that closure because, I, you know, I, he's in love with Mio and that's sad for him because so is Kudo and Kudo's way cooler. <laughs> 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 um, Chica, what is your banana split? Well, speaking of Koji still, I don't think he still needs to marry Kaya. Yeah, I was confused about that. When they parted ways, I thought it was like kind of a bye for everything, but it really wasn't clear what was going on. Because he was talking about starting over, maybe, well, no, because he, remember he said he, they, they could rebuild the Saimori house together? Yeah, I'm also confused as to why. So, like, for, because he said that, I thought that they were still engaged. That's why I was just like, he doesn't need to still marry her, like, it's kind of, kind of done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, <laughs> okay, like, yeah. I guess, like, my take on that is that Koji is a is like a nice honorable guy and he was engaged to this woman and that's probably a promise he takes seriously even if he doesn't like Kaya Mm. was my thought on it that makes sense yeah going into my banana split okay so we have Kudo listening at the door while his sister is teaching Mio and I think it's so cute that he's interested and like wanting to like know what the ladies are doing and talking about but I also think she deserves privacy (laughs) so that's why it's banana split for me I don't know if listening at the door is really it and I think maybe asking her afterwards over dinner would be a better way but yeah Hmm. um is there any more banana splits not for me i wasn't really confused by it i just didn't know where to put it i was actually surprised that kudo had family (laughs) (laughs) Um, he moves in such an only child or orphan type of way that it was just like oh he has an older sister oh he has a dad still like what so, yeah, I mean, I'm glad we got to meet Hazuki, but I was also just, like, taken off guard. Yeah, he is very, like, reserved and independent that it's almost unexpected, especially with how warm his sister is to him and in general. Yeah. Yeah. She's just really soft. So it's just kind of like the way that we meet him at the start of the series, like, I just, you would think he didn't have anybody, just Yurie. Mm-hmm. But there's more to him. So I thought that that was interesting. Yeah. Ooh, and also Kudo and Hazuki don't look that much alike to me, in in my opinion. No, I think that they're supposed to look fairly different just because of how different they are in lifestyle like personality. and personality. Yeah. Okay. They look the same, according to Hazuki, around the eyes. I remember that scene, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, are we ready to move into Rocky Road? Yeah. I am. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, Pete, do you have any Rocky Road? Yeah, um... I know some people threw this in their float, their boat, but mine was the the marriage arrangement where it's so rare in the beginning of these episodes where Mio just genuinely looks happy. Mm. And I think there's times in the past where like she's smiling because she has to, but this time like really seeing everything come together and she looks genuinely happy really made my heart grow three sizes. I loved it. Oh, <laughs> uh, Yeah. Yeah, those moments where she has unfiltered joy really, really strike me every time. Yeah. 
Miles, do you have any Rocky Road? I do not. I A personal flaw I have is not ever being emotional. <laughs> so... That's Hey, we all have our thing. That's fine. <laughs> Chica, do you have any Rocky Road? It's like Rocky Road, but then also ice cream, you scream, in a sense. So it's Mio asking if the Saimoris made it out of the fire okay. And I said that she cares, even though they literally tried to kill her. Because mm. <laughs> so, she's like, oh, did they make it out okay? And I was just like, girl, they were choking you. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, it's like she's that good of a person, but they don't deserve that. She reminds me of um, Toru Honda there. Yes. 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 Like, you can hate people. It's okay. <laughs> like, it's okay. Hold that grudge, baby. It's fine. Yeah. If you want to forgive them, like, wait a month or two. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, be mad for a bit. Like, yeah. <laughs> You were just tied up in a shed. Get back. Uh, yes. <laughs> right. If anything is like you're allowed to be a little mad about for a while, I'd say that qualifies. Like she still had this neck stuff on like the impression or bruising on her neck and stuff. I'm like, girl, I do not care if they got out of the fucking <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Oh man. Well, my one rocky road that I have left is actually the quote that I put as my theme for the episode from Hazuki, in order to live as beautifully as we can during our life, let's do our best to bloom. It just, like, my, my eyes honestly filled with tears, like, the second she said that, I'm like, oh my god, yeah, you know, I know that I can only speak for myself, but I know we're all out here doing our best, just hoping to to live that cozy life we all dream of, so that just kind of hit me. Mm. Is there any more... Rocky Road points? Done for me? Nope. Okay. Well, do we have any hot fudge? Oh, I got the hottest of fudges. Ooh. Oh, okay, Pete. Yes. Pour it on the Sunday. Okay. Okay. I hate Koji. Like, straight up. So. <laughs> oh, my God. We have this emotional scene with him and Mio and him talking about, like, what he's going to do after the fact wanting to get stronger, going to train, protect the family. And everything that I'm hearing from him is like, this is what everybody wants you to do. What is it that you want to do? Because I never got the feeling from him that this is exactly what he wants. Because in the beginning episodes, we see his attachment to Mio. Pretty sure he's like in love with her, not Kaya. But everything he's doing is for their family, their lineage, and never about what he actually wants. So when he has this... The scene where he's like, I'm going to do all these things. I'm like, yeah, you're doing all these things for what reason, though? Hmm. And to me, it's just, uh, to, to me, it's just like, you're fake. Ooh. Like, none of, none of this is what you're saying to me is it's going right through me. Can I challenge this? <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Look, this man just had his house broken into, burned down, couldn't save the woman he loved, right? That is traumatic. Do you, I, you know I say to that, Miles? Good. Oh. <laughs> But, That's what you get. But he wants oh to God. do that, right? Like, he wants to be able to protect the people he loves. I think that's very clear. And he saw how Kudo, who's a very powerful man, could do that. And, you know, I don't know if going and training his powers is necessarily the right avenue, because there are a lot of ways to protect people that don't involve martial force. But, like, I think he's working towards a goal he wants. I, I agree with you that he's like... I don't know, kind of, I don't, I don't know, like, a not mean word to call him, like, like a wet blanket, maybe? I don't know, he's just, he's, like, kind of a loser, but, like... Mm. He is a loser. 
but he he wants to stop being a loser and i think that's admirable i think what he's saying is admirable and what he's trying to do is admirable but i don't believe the words that are coming out of his mouth what do you think he wants to do then? Just like sit in a corner and cry? I think he wants to marry Mio and be a farmer or something <laughs> like that. But because he has so much family responsibility and you got to protect the lineage and you have to marry for these political reasons that he's doing everything that he's told by. Not once have I felt something from him where I'm like, I believe the words that are coming out of this dude's mouth. It's, it's, all, it's all corporate email talk to me. That's crazy. I think that's crazy. Wow. That's some hot fudge for sure. <laughs> that is. I'm scalded. By I that. love it. I don't even have any hot fudge. <laughs> Me neither. I'm living for this. Yes. <laughs> this okay. Also for for the reference for everybody out there in podcast world, Miles' favorite character is Kaya. So <gasps> I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I, so okay. For people who are not aware of us, I like evil people. I like their characters. I believe in episode six, I texted the words, Pete. Yeah, we have to get off the train, don't we? <laughs> I didn't see that text. Okay, well, I'll, I'll see if I can find it. Um, but I remember, one, I don't know how controversial this is, but I think Kaya is a redeemable human being. Uh. As opposed to her parents. I think that she was raised incredibly spoiled and terribly, and that I'm not going to blame a 16-year-old for being a bad person. More to the fact that, like, that they're irredeemable. Like, okay. Like, she's an awful person. But, like, I think there's a world where she is humbled. And there's also a world where she is not humbled. And we'll just have to see what happens. <laughs> I see where you're coming from, Miles. Definitely. I think it would really depend how delicately they handle Kaya moving forward. Because right now, um, <laughs> I am most certainly not a fan. And I don't know how she could be redeemed. Yeah. Attempted murder is a pretty serious thing. Yes. <laughs> oh, my, of I, your sister. I, I, Yes, I, I, that was, yeah, yeah. and it, that's not the episode we're talking about, right, right, so right, I right, will, right. I'm just trying to answer the slanderous accusations Pete threw my way. Yeah, but it's it's within context, so. Does, Miles, do you have any hot fudge? So, I have the same hot fudge for every episode, so I'm going to save it, because it builds over time. Oh, wow, <laughs> okay. Pete, do you have any hot fudge left? I think I got all the hot fudge out of me for this episode. <laughs> So, moving into Ice Cream You Scream. Let's start with you, Chica. Do you have any Ice Cream You Scream? They unleashed the demon cockroaches from the grave <laughs> rock thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. When I saw them, I was like, see, this is why we don't do human transmutation. But yeah. I <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel you. <laughs> like, all of the eyeballs, like, oh, just kill me like no yeah the design on the grotesqueries was really good though i could have put that in floats your boat i thought that they were really interesting looking mm, i hate them <laughs> but i understand like the design yeah. yeah yeah um pete do you have any ice cream you scream uh just koji just koji <laughs> just Fair. koji i do not like that dude okay <laughs> not even kaya koji because no, this episode it's, overall it's kaya this episode it's koji Okay. <laughs> Miles, do you have any ice cream you scream? So this, and I would love to be clarified, this made me rewind like twice, and I just, I kind of got mad at the show. I don't know if this is me being dumb or not, which is super duper possible. But when Hazuki is introduced, Mio lets her in, and then she tells her that she's Lord Kudo's sister, and then they cut back 
it doesn't feel like a flashback, but like he's then telling her about the fact that he has a sister and then she gets introduced again. And that was confusing to me and I didn't like it (laughs) because it made me feel like I was missing something, but I feel like it was edited weird. I don't know if anyone else picked up on that. I did too. And I I actually watched the episode twice and both times I was like, I feel like I missed something here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good. Yeah. So yeah, I guess like, I I don't know, that's maybe like a little more technical of a dislike thing, but I had to rewind because I was confused that I was missing stuff and I don't think I was, so. Yeah, yeah. I only have one ice cream you scream and that is when Hazuki teases Kudo and she's saying that he'd feel lonely if she were to take Mio away and live with her and learn from her and Kudo's like, no, I wouldn't with a straight face. I'm like, that is your fiance and you're saying this right in front of her. Like, I know he's trying to play it off cool, but like, I don't quite think no, I wouldn't is the correct response. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I'm trying to think about what my wife would say if I had that interaction with her. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. <laughs> There's a great payoff for that scene in an episode, though. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but are we ready to move on to episode eight? Yeah. So getting into episode eight, Nightmares and Ominous Shadows. Here is our soft serve summary brought to us by Wikipedia. Kyoka? Okaito and Kazushi are given an audience with Prince Takahito, who reveals that the imperial capital will be invaded by the grotesqueries. Soon after, Takahito congratulates Kiyoka on his engagement with Mio, but gives him an ominous message. Meanwhile, Mio learns Western etiquettes for the upcoming party in two months. During her lessons with Hazuki, she begins to have nightmares and headaches that severely impact her daily life and her lessons. As Kiyoka worries over Mio's nightmares, he sends Awashimizu to gather information on the Osuba family. Later, Kiyoka meets Arata for a discussion about the investigation. That night, Kiyoka and his subordinates encounter the grotesqueries and do their best to destroy them. The next morning, Mio encounters Arata when she suddenly collapses during her training. So, getting into themes, let's start with Chika. Do you have a theme for this episode? I personally do not. I'm sorry, guys. Mine is really just to the point in things are not as they seem. Okay. Yeah. That is fair. Very fair. Miles, do you have a theme? My theme was persistence is beautiful. So we see Mio, despite what she has going on, trying her hardest to be, I guess, like, what in her mind. She's already worthy of Lord Kudo, in my opinion, but, you know, for her. And just going through all of these things, despite the, like, nightmares and everything she's having. And then we have Lord Kudo, who is working on all of this other stuff in the background. They're just very diligently working on that. And so that was my my sort of theme on that. Okay, yeah. Pete, do you have a theme? I did not have one for this one. Okay, I'm so glad it's not just me. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, getting into sprinkles on top. I'm actually going to kick this off if that's okay. I was very proud of my sprinkle on top. Take it away. 
So during her training day, the one where she collapses, they're outside and there's this wall of pinwheels. I decided to Google if there was any like symbolism or like just about pinwheels. And so apparently pinwheels can represent the ready transformation of inertia to energy. And there's this constant talk about an awakening. And it's kind of like there's breadcrumbs where I'm like convinced Mio is developing powers. So I think that that's just even another hint that like something's moving moving something's coming very nice thank you very much thank you um miles do you have any sprinkles on top i do i have one sprinkle on top and that was when mio we see inside uh mio's nightmares she is like very very alone in that and it's like just sort of a dark space where she's by herself and i still think that mio this is very understandable due to all of the trauma feels like she's inadequate in a lot of ways and even though she's now surrounded by people who care about her she still feels alone and i sort of thought that was a good visualization of that concept yeah Mm. yeah yeah those those nightmares are rough yeah they're also interlaced with Lord Kudo fighting the grotesqueries, which I think is interesting and probably means something, but I haven't been able to put that together, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Pete, do you have any sprinkles? Mm, I I don't know if this one's necessarily going to fall into sprinkles, so I might twist this in my own way, but um, see if you can maybe follow along. With Arta, um, he's having a conversation with this old man about the awakening, and he's placing his hand on this tree Sort of like how Mio was the episode before. And I, I don't know if there's like a tie to that, but I thought that was really interesting that they're both doing something with the the placement of their hand on top of a tree. So I thought, I don't know if that meant something, but <laughs> that's what stood out to me. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Like, it seems like it should be connected. Chica, do you have any sprinkles on top? Nope. Okay, so... Let's move into Floats Your Boat. Let's kick it off with Miles. What is one of your Floats Your Boat? Sure. I'm going to start with a very simple one. The new head of the Tatsushi family has a killer outfit, and it made me happy. <laughs> yes! Uh, I totally agree. Oh my gosh. I liked his banter with two military men about how he could dress how he likes because he's not in the military. Mm-hmm. And then I liked that he just had this really cool tiger on the back of his outfit (laughs) i thought it was neat i thought it added a lot of personality to him um and i sort of hope we see him some more yeah Yeah. kazushi so far has been interesting i love that he just walks to the beat of his own drum yeah i feel bad but i was just like oh i put like koji's brother is good looking like what happens (laughs) (laughs) which i mean i'm not saying that koji is ugly but it's just like i am Kazushi has a flair. <laughs> like, oh my god! I mean, yeah, Kazushi's definitely the better looking brother, but like, Koshi's got his little freckles. His little freckles going on. I don't know. He's cute. I'm trying to be yeah. nice. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they're they're different. Like in the similar ways to Hazuki and Kyoka being different. I feel like where Koji is very, he's not reserved in the same way Kyoka is. He's like more shy, I guess, as opposed to stoic. But then you have the more extroverted sibling as well. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, Chica, what is one of your floats your boat? Okay, so the heir apparent, the prince, mm-hmm. um, which you'll see, find out in Banana Split that I was confused. But once I figured out stuff, but the prince, 
I think has really cute makeup. Highly agree. I put that in Floats Your Boat as well. I put Prince Takahito is so incredibly fabulous. Like, what does mm-hmm. this serve? Like, I love him. <laughs> I want to learn more about him. Yes. Pete, what is one of your Floats Your Boat? Yeah, I really liked. So this obviously is a work of fantasy. However, I feel like you could put a time frame of like realistic eras in the show and sort of like the introduction to like Western culture to Japan seems to be becoming more of a thing in their society with Kyoka's sister showing up wearing a dress instead of a kimono. And we sort of get these introductions to like Western fashion and behavior and formalities. I thought that was a really interesting touch on mixing like the traditional Japan sort of with this new cool Western style of, uh, like females. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. I also just liked seeing Mio in her cute little blue dress. Like that was really sweet, like mm-hmm. a little transformation. Um, One of my floats your boat is actually like <laughs> kind of ironically, it sounds like something that maybe shouldn't be floats your boat, but I just really liked how there was a moment where we kind of went horror anime for like two seconds and I just really liked the way it was executed when Kazushi was trying to lift the curse from the guy who was affected by the grotesquerie mm. and we get that moment where we're like seeing the grotesqueries and like this curse is like coming out of the darkness and Kazushi is terrified by it and I just really really liked the way that was executed because you know we're just kind of like shoujo drama vibes up until that point and then all of a sudden there's this really well executed like horror bit oh you see i mean i i can appreciate it so i i understand why you put in floats your boat but i kind of had it like split between banana split and also like nuts oh okay yeah because i was just like oh my gosh all those things are inside of his brain like (laughs) so i was like oh that's nuts but then also when he lifted up the the blanket it looked like they had a venereal disease it looked like (laughs) the bubonic plague and bruising like i don't know what it is but um it was not a good time. So that's why I had it between those two things. Oh, man. <laughs> um, uh, Miles, do you have any floats your boat left? Yes, I have one left. So the scene between Hazuki and Mio, where Hazuki asks Mio to call her sister, and it does sort of like the... It, it is like another horror anime moment, right? Where she has like a flashback and you hear like Kaya's voice distorted saying, dear sister. Mm. And Mio switches what she wants to call, you know, Hazuki. Like, oh, how about I just call you your first name? I, I think that adds a lot of weight to the trauma that Mio has been through. Yes. And I, I liked that. I thought that was a good touch because it sort of shows that even though Kaya is at least for the moment removed from the picture there were lasting effects of all of the trauma that Mio faced and I like to see those lasting effects in my anime I was I was a fan of that scene yeah yeah I wasn't sure where to put all of that because I loved Hazuki just and their relationship blossoming you know it was just really nice to see them coming together and Hazuki teaching her and all of that but the way that Mio is still affected by her trauma, just strikes so deeply. Just hearing her sister's voice so clearly in her head like that, it's so heavy at the same time. Yeah, it's an interesting juxtaposition in that scene because you have this sweet 
moment of a future relationship that's brought down by a past relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, I mean, it's it's a very interesting character development moment for Mio. Absolutely. Yeah. Chica, do you have any floats your boat left? Oh, I said that Mio gave Kudo the benefit of the doubt when he was working hard, like at saying that he was working hard because um, Hazuki was just like, oh, like he's not really around. Like I would be worried. And she's just like, no, he's working very hard. And, you know, I'm also going to work hard, too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that was really sweet. Um, Pete, do you have any floats or boat left? I do not. All right. Well, let us move on into Banana Split. I personally do not have any, but Miles, do you have any? I do have one. So with the grotesqueries, I feel like they're kind of not paying enough attention mm. to those. Okay. Yeah, I feel that. Okay. Because okay. like, they, they're definitely like paying attention to them, but it, I don't know. I guess I don't want to get too like we have nothing to lose but our chains. But, like, the attitude to me sort of feels like right now they're just killing the, the poor peasant people. And yeah! So <laughs> yeah! <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, like, you know, we should probably deal with it before they come and kill the metropolitan people. <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. like, just because I'm poor, I can't be saved? Like, that's not fair. Yeah. Yeah, like, they're killing people right now, and they're like, yeah, we've dealt with, like, 20% of them. We got some time. Like, the emperor, as fabulous as he is, or the, the heir, was like, yeah, some people might die. And then we see a, <laughs> a bunch of poor people die. <laughs> so he yeah. was not talking about them. <laughs> he meant... He meant his people. Yeah. You know, so I guess I... And that honestly might be something that gets brought up, because the, the world seems to play with these, like, social dynamics pretty regularly. But to me, it was, like, a little confusing to me, because Lord Kudo is the head of this place that's supposed to be dealing with them, but he also is taking a lot of time off to, like, follow up on some Mio background stuff. Yeah. Which I'll, I guess I'll get to later. But, you know, like there's a whole bunch of evil zombies coming for you guys. Like, let's tighten up, was, was my thought. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I had the same thought as well. I was basically like, what in the Demon Slayer is this? <laughs> like, <laughs> these vengeful spirits of the gifted, they're turning into these weird-ass grotesques. I fondly call them grotesques in my notes. Um, <laughs> I love it. Because I, I had a time. I could say grotesqueries, but at first... Like, I messed up, and then I was just like, fuck it, grotesques, I hate them. Why do they attack nice people that were minding their business? <laughs> it sounds like one of those, like, combo dog breeds. Grotesky. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say the man who had the venereal disease had grotesties. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is! <laughs> Who I know when he wake up he's gonna itch like <laughs> yeah oh my gosh it was that the banana split you wanted to share Chica or do you have another one 
No, that was one of my um, banana split. But then I guess the other one uh, was that I was kind of confused at first because I didn't realize that the prince was the prince. I thought that the emperor did some sort of magic to make himself look like that. So I was just like, oh, the emperor has makeup on and doesn't look like a ball sack. What's tea? <laughs> like, <laughs> how did he do that? But um, two different people. <laughs> no, the emperor could never blend his eyeshadow like like that who are we kidding no not, not at all <laughs> um pete do you have any banana split yeah kind of what chico was just mentioning about takahito so in the sub takahito is played by a guy and then in the dub it's played by a transgender woman oh and i was wondering if this might be some like uku thing possibly going on where we refer to them as the prince, but is it actually, like, the princess, maybe? Like, hmm. I-, I wonder if that's the case, because I wonder if the casting of a woman in the dub was on purpose. So I- I'm intrigued to see if that gets played out down the road. Yeah, I I was not aware of that, so thank you for bringing that to our attention. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm really curious, though. Hmm. Maybe they just saw the makeup and they're just like, we're not taking any chances. Yeah, I mean, he's at, at the very least not gender confirming, right? Like, you know, so right. Yeah. Right. I, I guess my thought was, oh, goodness, what's the movie with the music and cats? Yes, that's the one I was thinking of. No, the Science Saru one. Oh, N-U-O. Yes. Oh, okay. I guess that was my sort of vibe that i got from it okay yeah we're sort of just like you know like like a david bowie type of thing where it's just like kind of making yourself like your personality expressed through like makeup or something like that Mm -hmm. in this case or like an nuo through like music and something along those lines yeah 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 mio's nightmares maybe being tied into the world itself i guess with with these ghosts because we we're seeing something very similar with her nightmares with what's happening in real life so i wonder if those are somehow interconnected mm, right that's why i keep thinking like there's some kind of power brewing within her because it all seems like it's more than just nightmares mm-hmm. yeah like it feels like this was what her dad was waiting for to be honest right also i mean you know lord kudo is always like oh, our, our barrier isn't broken, but the only thing that could cause this is the specific power that... Yes. <laughs> but <laughs> where could that be coming from? <laughs> right, the call is coming from inside the house. Exactly. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> um, Miles, do you have any banana split left? I... Let me check. Do not. Okay, Chica, what about you? I have three, but I can just do them like quick fire. Okay. Kudo liking pickles that he asked for it for dessert. I thought that was very questionable. Like, <laughs> Okay, I agree. <laughs> I'm not a pickle gal. Not at all. I thought that was endearing. <laughs> I mean, it was cute, but why? Like, <laughs> it was. pickles yeah. are really good. Mm. They are good, but for dessert? No. Dessert? Right, dessert. There's a time and place for everything. Look, it was 19. 19- 1910 or something okay oh god yeah. ice cream had just been invented i don't know if that's true <laughs> ice cream has just invented me googling yeah it's probably like 4000 bc or something just pick pick okay but yeah so then um uh, 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 glasses arada telling kudo that he looked him up to his face is weird i just 
I really like this man has so much gall to me because how do you meet somebody and you're just like, guess what? I saw this on media takeout the other day that you are cold and stuff, but you got a girl and that's so nice. And like that was a lot for me we have him on banana split and not hot fudge i hate this man (laughs) i could have had it in hot fudge i i also do not like him but at the time i wrote it i was just like who just starts talking to somebody about their rumors like i don't get it (laughs) that is a lot that is a lot yeah um oh and the last thing is whose bright idea was it to go look at the grave thing at night y'all can't fight grotesques in the day like, I don't know. Maybe they only come out at night. Oh, damn. In- investigated in the day. I'm with Chica here. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, you have that many eyes. I need all of the light that <laughs> so I can see you. Like, no. Yeah, that would make a lot more sense. So let's move into Rocky Road. I'll actually kick it off really quick. So I have Mio wants to be by Kiyoka's side and become a family with him, but she still has to stop and ask herself, what is family? Because of everything she's gone through. I just wrote, oh my God, in all caps. Like that is incredibly sad. That is really sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, ooh, when uh, Hazuki was asking Mio to call her sister and then Mio gets triggered, I felt so bad for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had that as well. Miles, do you have any Rocky Road? <laughs> well, that scene was in my foots. My foots. <laughs> um, I was like, ooh, neat. <laughs> um, no, I don't have any Rocky Road. <laughs> okay, Pete, do you have any? Uh, just any scene where Mio just seems like she's having fun. Or being happy because she didn't get to experience that a lot of her childhood or in mm-hmm. her adulthood. Um, so when she was doing like these like womanly teachings with with uh, Kyoka's sister, it just seemed like she was having a blast. Yeah, I, I was a big fan of like those scenes and just warms my heart. Diary montage. Yeah, 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 that's a great way to put it. Chica, do you have any Rocky Road? The last one. Oh. <laughs> it's rock it is rocky road in a sense but just the fact that um mio doesn't see herself as a proper lady and so that's why she asked kudo to be re-educated it just felt like at that point it's like she wants to be with him but she still finds herself to be lacking even though kudo doesn't think that way and also she's just getting her ass beat in her dreams i thought that that was (laughs) really i felt bad for her because like they were just grabbing her ankles and shit and like she was growing bags like under her eyes like i felt bad yeah yeah like even regarding like her training the only thing i have regarding her training in rocky road is when she starts to collapse she thinks to herself i can't just collapse during training i'll ruin everything oh yeah and she's still in this very like self-deprecating mindset where everything is her fault and you know she's made some progress but she still has so far to go so whenever she has those thoughts like that, that's always almost automatically Rocky Road for me. Mm-hmm. But are we ready to move into Hot Fudge? Sure. Okay. Miles, do you have any Hot Fudge? Yeah. So I guess I'll do this this part of it now. And this is this is why 
I'm not the world's biggest Kudo fan, I think. But he, he should he should tell Mio his suspicions of her nightmares and what's happening. Mm. I, I guess, like, the framing of it feels pretty... Like, Mio, like, as you just said, she's fainting. She says, I can't, like, do this, but she's having these nightmares. She has to stay awake. He actively thinks it's a family that's known for entering people's dreams and manipulating them. And he wasn't like, hey, watch out for this. Yeah. And that was the thing to me that he... I guess, to me, it seems like he doesn't quite trust Mio yet, where he views her as too fragile or too not self-sufficient to watch out for herself in any way. Because you have Arata here, who is, like, gaslighting the hell out of everyone. Yeah. And is, you know, doing a whole bunch of, like, social manipulation, just like he expected to happen, by the way. So, like, a heads up. I feel like could have changed uh, like a lot, you know, in this episode, in the next episode. And it also could have helped Mia with her self-esteem, I think. Like if she knew that something was happening that wasn't related to her, you know, just having nightmares or not being strong enough, like she was being potentially targeted in some way, I think that maybe she would have an easier time with going through what she's going through. And so that was very frustrating to me that he just never, ever mentions it to her. It's tough because I feel like it makes so much sense for him to share it with her. And a lot of their dynamic is it would make a lot of sense to communicate this thing, but I feel like I'm burdening the other people by communicating it. Mm. So I think that he might be afraid of telling her this and then her somehow feeling like she's burdening him by having nightmares. Like, I don't know if he wants her to know that he knows she's having nightmares. It gets like really convoluted in that way that's kind of the way i'm seeing it yeah no um i get where miles is coming from in the sense that because i feel like i said this in even our last um episode that like he should have told her about um or whenever the episode is where she like first gets kidnapped and it's like you already have an inkling that these people are trying to do something to mio why don't you just tell her so she could least be more aware of her surroundings and so it seems like it's sort of this character trait of him to think like i can handle all of mio's problems i don't even need to tell mio i'll fix it for her and that is very agitating because I'm sure she would want to know more about her own family and who she is. Like, she's never had this information before. And it's just crazy sometimes, like, the situation she gets in. And it's like, if you only told her, I'm sure she could have done more. Like, I'm sure there could have been a conversation. I feel like at least in this particular situation, he was waiting for her to come to him about what she was going through. But if you know the way that Mio is and she doesn't want to burden people, you could just approach her with what you know and then go from there. Yeah, no, that does make sense. Yeah. Um. Well, Chica, do you have any hot fudge? I have hot fudge, but it's like misguided because we find out who this person is later on. But when I see glasses, so Arata... <laughs> And the old man, I kind of mistake the old man to be Koji's dad. Me too. And so <laughs> that is 
so well, I got mad. The character design was similar. Yes, it was. But I, I just, I thought it was Koji's dad. And I was just like, oh, they're working together. And then I was just overall upset because I was like, one, the Tatsuishis should not escape punishment because it's their fault that the Saimori household went into flames. And so I was just like, Okay, Minoru needs to be behind bars wearing Depends after, like, Kudo <laughs> beat his ass so bad and, like, electrocuted him and stuff. Like, I don't know why he's talking to the glasses guy, but that's not Koji's dad. So it's, like, misguided hot fudge. Yeah, no. For a second, I thought it was Koji's dad, too. So I was confused. And I'm like, no, wait, that's, like, a different person? I don't know what's going on. But yeah, yeah, I feel you. Um, Pete, do you have any hot fudge? No hot fudge. Okay, me neither. Miles, do you have any more? No, I'll I'll save me talking about how evil Ararata is for the next next one. Okay. Chika, <laughs> do you have any hot fudge left? No, no, I have ice cream, you scream. Okay, so do I, but I'm actually going to pass it off to Pete. Do you have any ice cream, you scream? Uh, just the fact that Koji still exists, but other than that, no. Oh <laughs> <laughs> is that really it? That's it. Oh my god, Pete. Okay. Wow. I have a strong disdain towards this man. That's crazy. <laughs> He's so harmless. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> it's the, those are the ones you got to watch out for. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. Um, okay, so my ice cream, you scream. This is a, this is a joke. Um, so if you've been listening to the podcast, you, if you know, you know. I, I have to ask, why does the guy with the glasses have to be the villain? Mm. Why? Mm. <laughs> have you met Pete? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh. I knew this was going to come around to me somehow. I knew. No, I'm supposed to wear glasses, so and I'm not evil, so I get where Gianna's coming from. Well, that's when I decided to stop being evil. It was the same day I decided to get contacts. So, oh. I, I, you make of that as you will. Well, I wear blue light glasses. Should I be cautious? Is the question. Do some self reflection. That's right. I'll be sure to keep up with my journaling. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, Miles, what's one of your ice cream you scream? Yeah, I don't know. I just I also wrote down Kudo should just really talk to Mio. That was like really bothering me. I okay. I, I like it when people communicate. Like yeah. as a joke theme for this episode, I literally wrote down talk to your wife. Like <laughs> uh, <laughs> So um I guess that's that's my version of Koji that I'm being hung up on. <laughs> okay. That's fair. That's fair. Chica, what is your ice cream you scream? I sort of have two. So one is that grotesques are nasty looking. Get back. They look like bed bugs or maybe they're like bed bugs. <laughs> and then the second one is for glasses, Arata, whatever his name is. Unhand Mio right now. Okay. Where is Hazuki? Uh, <laughs> in all caps. <laughs> I have that too because I was like. Like, ew, get your hands off of her, sir. And then I put, like, I guess it's better than her falling to the ground, but I literally refuse with every fiber of my being to put this in banana split for that reason. It is just ice cream, you scream. Like, do not touch her. Yeah. I'd rather her be on the ground. Right. Gross hands. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I hate him so much. <laughs> right. All right. Well, with that, are we ready to move into episode nine? Yes. All right. Episode nine. Drowning in Dreams. Here is our soft serve summary brought to us by Wikipedia. I think I edited it. I don't remember, but here we go. 
Kyoka quickly returns home to find Mio resting with Hazuki by her side. Kyoka and Hazuki both have theories regarding her nightmares, believing her Osuba bloodline may be awakening or someone is trying to manipulate her. Sometime later, Kyoka is informed of the grotesquerie's attack on civilians. Meanwhile, when Hazuki asks Mio about her ideal life, Mio replies that she wants to be with Kyoka. Elsewhere, Kyoka discusses with Iwashimizu about the investigation on the Asubas. Later that night, Kyoka and Mio have a discussion about expressing their feelings, and they both come to reveal that they've both been feeling lonely. They comfort one another, and Kyoka reassures her that he will be there for her. The next day, Mio is visited by Arata, who had originally come to see Kyoka, who had been called into work for an emergency. Arata gives Mio an offer to leave her husband after saying that Kyoka was a cold man. After Kyoka is put in charge of protecting the capital from the grotesqueries, he is confronted by Arata over his supposed treatment towards Mio. Kyoka becomes shocked when he is told about her sudden collapse the other day. Afterwards, Kyoka receives information from Iwashimizu about a woman named Sumi Suruki, discovering that she had the same surname as Arata's. He hurries back to find Mio in the kitchen, where she passes out in his arms. Kyoka takes her with him while on his way to confront Arata. And that is our soft serve summary. So, getting into themes. Chika, what is your theme idea for this episode? It's very basic. Just avoid having regrets. Okay. Very fair. Pete, what do you have? I did not have one for this one. That's totally fine. For me, I put, sometimes the most difficult or uncomfortable things to communicate are the things that need to be said the most. Nice. I like that. Nice. Yeah, Thanks, guys. Uh, Miles, what do you have? So I riffed off my previous theme for this one. I said, persistence is beautiful, but so is fragility. Aww. Miles yeah, be getting the heavy, again. like, Miles has the heavy hitters this episode. <laughs> like, damn. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Do we have any sprinkles on top? I personally do not have any. I don't. I don't either. I, yeah, I, I don't have any new ones. Hazuki is like sort of a, like a modern or different woman is something else that I wrote down mm -hmm. because I, I just sort of think that's what she symbolizes. But we, we've talked about that before. So I just thought that was present in this episode as well. Okay. Yeah. All right. Getting into Floats Your Boat. Chica, why don't you kick it off for us? So I am kind of confused so maybe this could also be banana split. But at first, I thought that Kudo knew that Mio had fainted. So I said, oh, Kudo came running to go see Mio when she was like lying down. So I was like, oh, that's so nice. Like he hears that something's wrong with her and he comes running. Right. Yeah, I'm on the same page as you because I was confused by that as well. Like I even had that as one of my floats your boat too, that Kudo rushed home to make sure she was okay. But then we learned later he didn't know. Yeah. So why did he rush home? So yeah, it is definitely confusing. So I think, I think the, the differentiation here, and I was confused until I heard you guys talking about it, but I think it's he knew she fainted and was waiting for her to tell him but maybe she never did because he comes home to see her and then she's asleep or resting or whatever and then they continue so maybe like she doesn't know that he came home to see her and he was waiting for her to tell him 
sort of thing, maybe? Didn't Arata, like, tell him, though? Well, Arata tells him, but you would think that Hazuki... Right. Like, I don't think Hazuki would not tell him that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think he knows. I think what he tells Mio is, why didn't you tell me? Oh. Okay. I was confused by it, too, but I think the differentiation... Because we were talking when I brought up how they wait for each other to sort of break the ice to tell each other what they're feeling and thinking. I was wondering if this was sort of that. He didn't broach the subject for her because he wanted her to broach the subject with him as like a sign of trust or something. And then he was hurt that that didn't happen. Oh, I like that way of looking at it better than just being really confused about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It brings clarity, but also anger. (laughs) Right, 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 right. (laughs) At least there's an answer, question mark. Yeah. Pete, what do you have for Flitz Your Boat? I really enjoyed the conversation, the dialogue in general with Mio and Kyoka this episode. So there's like two specific scenes. One was sort of lovey-dovey and the other one was kind of like a fight mm. where Kyoka, I think, overstepped his boundaries with being um, very blunt and sort of not taking Mio's condition and her emotions into account until after the fact where... Mio is sort of crying and then collapses. I think that it's just a representation of almost any relationship. You have good and bad. And I thought we got both sides of that this episode. So I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. I really like just seeing their dynamic as it continues to unfold and they start to understand each other a bit better. Yes, exactly. Where they're they're still getting to know each other. Like mm-hmm. and I think you see that this episode where even though you're still, you know, you like each other, love each other, it's still maybe figuring out boundaries, figuring out how to communicate correctly to each other. And I think that Kyoka in general got a big wake up call this episode with how he needs to be handling Mio and how in like in her current condition in this episode. Yeah, yeah. So my surprising no one favorite frame of this entire episode is when Mio and Kudo are sharing their tea and they're having that really nice conversation at night. Off to the side, there's a calico cat cuddling with her two kittens nearby and they're so precious and I love them so much. Oh, man, I, like, sent Chica a screenshot immediately. I'm like, look at them. Yeah. I had the same thing, too. Um, Miles, do you have any floats your boat? I have two. My first one, I guess, is that, similar to Pete's, when they were having the fight, Mio tells Kudo that he was cruel, and I just wrote, good job, girl. <laughs> uh, next to that. Mm. I, I, because that, that was probably really hard for her. And yeah. I, I liked that. You know, she was crying and upset because it was cruel, but she was also, like, stern with him and, like, reprimanding him. And I feel like I, I enjoyed that dynamic from her, you know, where she's hurt, but she's holding authority as his fiance to say, like, don't act like that towards me, you know? Yeah. So she's, like, allows herself to get hurt, which is important. You got to cry it out sometimes. But then also she's standing up for herself after she gets hurt. And I really, I really like that from her. Yeah, definitely. I I definitely agree. Uh, Chica, do you have any floats your boat left? Yeah, so I thought that it was maybe, I mean, I guess considering how Kudo was in the episode, it's kind of like a step forward and then 10 steps back. But 
it was nice to see him approach her and talk about loneliness. I agree. To get her to talk about it. And so it was just kind of like, okay, if only you would do this more. But um, I, I liked that at least they were able to like admit it. But first he was just like, listen, you need to get closer to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. So because I was ready. I was like, okay, I need to prepare myself. What does being closer mean like are we going to see i don't know more show joey st- like i was just waiting for it i had the same exact thought during that scene when you just like sit closer to me i'm like oh do that like <laughs> like what does that what's gonna happen next like right 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 i was just like hoping to see you know the lovey doveyness, but you know we only get so much of that in this show yeah so, like tilting her head towards him by like the chin with like the the light sort of bubbles around it or yes <laughs> yes that's what i wanted i was just like oh it's gonna happen kiss like it's just uh, i'm lonely you're lonely kiss like here here's the time but it was just a hug oh my god it's like she's lonely he's lonely me watching this i'm lonely so like do something like the, your lips are lonely too like <laughs> Make out, make out, make out. (laughs) His bundles were unrestrained. Come on. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. If I could piggyback off of that really quick. My last floats your boat was also related to that conversation. You know, but since my my theme on this was like fragility was beautiful. I thought Kudo being as open and honest with Mio uh, as he was, was like a very, I guess, um, I don't like a, sort of like a brave thing for him to do almost. I think that when you're like a like a military man like he is and you're in this era with masculinity that's probably defined very strictly, opening up to someone and saying like, how are you not feeling lonely because I feel lonely and like I want to not be alone anymore. I like want to be with you and like him sort of breaking the ice on these emotional conversations that hopefully they'll have more of, I thought was was really good because as we've sort of mentioned, he's been avoiding those. But I liked that he finally just said, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to have this conversation. I'm going to stop waiting for her because she's going through a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, She might be reserved for some trauma reasons. So I'm going to try to break this ice. And I I liked that moment before them. And it would have been very sweet if they kissed, but they did not. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. That would have been a cherry on top of that conversation that was much needed. But with that said, let's get into Banana Split. I personally do not have any. Chica, do you have any? I have a laundry list. Oh boy, okay. One, I said, we're not questioning the elephant in the room. How does he know her name? Oh. (laughs) He never met her. So how do you know her name in the street? I didn't even catch. How did I not catch that? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I I put that. I said Mio's power is awakening. That's why she's seeing the grotesques in her dream or whoever's grabbing her legs and stuff. I said, I wish that Mio called Kudo to let him know what glasses oh, Arata said to her. Yeah. <laughs> if only. Again, communication. <laughs> yes. Uh but then Glasses was able to, glass. I keep doing that, I'm sorry. But Arado was able to tell Kudo in a way that benefited him. Yeah, he, mm. yeah mm-hmm. I, 
This man. Yes, this man. Yeah. And then, ooh, this might be a hot point for Miles. Okay. I kind of understood why Kudo said, like, it was fucked up, but I understood why he said that thing about studying. He just said it bad. He said it (laughs) bad. He said it bad. But it's like, I got it in the sense that he didn't want her to start studying. So then she could be like losing sleepless nights and all of this. And like, he knows that's why that's not happening, though. He knows that. He knows that she's being targeted by like someone with evil nightmare powers. But isn't it a little evil of him to be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have let you study so much because you're so tired. Even though he knows, he knows that someone is going into her dreams every night and giving her nightmares. Mm -hmm. Like he had an inkling though. It wasn't like confirmed. He has a full on (laughs) investigation going on. He has like a guy on it. There's pages of notes. Right. I mean, I just feel, I don't know. (laughs) I I just, I I just sort of got it. I'm not, I'm not saying it was right because it wasn't. I just was like, you know what? In the heat of the moment, it's just like, girl, you're about to go pass out in front of this fire and get burned. And sometimes people just say nasty things when they're scared. That's why that came out of him. Yes, I think that he said that because he wanted to protect her. And even though he could protect her and actively isn't, I agree that that's why he was upset. (laughs) (laughs) Pete, do you have any banana split? No, I do not. Okay. Miles, do you have any banana split? No banana splits for me. All right, so let's get into Rocky Road. This time I'm going to start with Pete. Do you have any Rocky Road? Yeah, it was emotional, and everybody touched on it, so I'll be short and sweet. The Kyoka and Mio, like, heart-to-heart with Kyoka opening up about being lonely, I thought was really well done. Mm. And, you know, he's really busy with work and all this stuff, and he... but. I think he kind of leans on Mio and is wanting more out of this relationship. And just just that whole scene was just really, really nice. And I, I thought it showed a side of Kyoka that we haven't seen before. So I'm a big fan of that scene. And yeah, it tugged on my heartstrings a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, same. Yeah. I got a flashback and I was just like, ooh, I do not yeah, want to remember exactly. this flashback. Yeah. <laughs> Like, uh, like, not word for word, but it's like I have been in that situation where it's like, oh, this partner is like working, but working in front of me or whatever. And then it's like, but I'm here to visit. It's like, I'm lonely, but I'm trying to be brave and smile. It's like, oh, like sad and stuff. Oh, God. Yeah. 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 Yep, I think we've all either been there or know somebody that's been there or something yeah. along those lines. I'm like, yep, I've had this conversation before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my one rocky road is something that Mio says to Kyoka. She says, I didn't want to bother you if it was something I could handle alone. And that hit me really deeply. Like that resonated with me. I have had similar thoughts and acted on that same thought. So like I understand why he was like upset by her, like not sharing with him. But I also understand where she was coming from being like, I don't want to put this on you if I can like handle it first and then maybe tell you that it was a thing, but it's handled now and it's okay afterwards. So yeah, that just really resonated with me. So I wanted to put that into Rocky Road. Um, 
Miles, do you have any records? Should I even ask? <laughs> I, I mean, I guess like I, I don't know. I, maybe I did a bad job of like delineating these things. Like moments that I thought were like sweet and emotional, I was like, I liked that moment because it was sweet and emotional. So I put it in floats your boat. So like, you know, similarly, I, I you know, that conversation definitely got my emotions going on the porch. I thought that was really good. And then you know, I guess like the opposite thing for me is like, I, I don't know. I got like a little angry when Mio was like. I don't want to like handle something and I get why she's doing it, but mm-hmm. it's like, come on girl. It's like a marriage. It's a partnership. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? like, right. You, you guys can depend on each other. It's just me screaming it at both of them constantly. <laughs> <laughs> just have faith in your partner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially when he has been so consistently reassuring where it's like, I want to know how you're feeling. It's not a burden to me. You are no trouble at all. It makes me happy to know how you feel. So, like, I, I, I wish she would, like, hear him. Like, yeah. he's saying it, but I don't know if she's hearing it. Yeah. I, you know, he's also absent. That, like, I, I get, I guess I get her viewpoint. Like, he's, he's very good with her. Like, you know, despite my reservations of how he's handling situations, like, he's very easily one of the best things that's happened to her in her life. And I think it sort of makes sense that she doesn't want to grow dependent on something because she's had so much tragedy, you don't feel like anything's gonna stick, maybe. Mm. And so I, I guess I would like him to do a better job. And he does this episode, he talks to her, right? Which is why I, I like that scene so much. But you know, he sort of has to realize that you can't just tell someone who's been traumatized that their trauma is okay now. You know what I mean? You can't just be like, oh, you can trust people now. Yeah, yeah. You have to actively participate and demonstrate that to them. And I think he's getting there, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, Chica, do you have any Rocky Road? So mine is about Hazuki, actually. Hazuki talked about how her marriage ended and she was blaming herself for the way that it ended but i feel that like because her marriage started off or was like political then there should have been some level of like interference between her husband and her husband's family because of who she is and who the kudos are just because she's not able to cook or do certain chores doesn't mean that she can't still be the face of that family and we saw at least with Mio's family or the Saimori's that they had like servants that did that like yes Mio knows how to cook but they had servants that were also cooking as well so I didn't understand why there wasn't more done to keep um, Hazuki's marriage intact like if you know that she can't do it why don't you hire somebody else to do it and then Hazuki could worry about other things so I just felt bad that she was blaming herself because it's a two-way street you know like your husband has just as much to do with this as you do so rather than her just blaming herself like I think she could have just said, like, you know, we both were all at fault in some way. I'll, I don't even think that she's that at fault because it's like if you're getting married, like, why didn't you know that she didn't know how to do these things before you married her? I don't know. I just feel like more could have been done to protect Hazuki. And also, I was trying really hard to find out or at least to see who her husband was. Like, they just sort of show him like neck up. But I thought it was Okaito. The one that works with um, oh. Kudo and stuff. 
That'd be interesting. They had similar coloring, but I was just like, is it him? Because I would have beef. You treated my sister in white way? Yeah. I guess my take from that, and that was like the scene with the plate chattering made me very sad, Mm. where she drops it. I guess my take from it was that her regret was that there was an overcomable hurdle and then they just decided together that it that it wasn't overcomable and then by that point it had been done my take on her parents was that or his parents i guess was that they they were never going to like her because of like who she she is right like she's not this traditional you know japanese wife she has other interests and you know she's wearing western clothes and stuff and so i guess my take was that the the chores was just the manifestation of that and that they would have tried to find another reason to get rid of her because they maybe regretted the political marriage because they didn't like her once they got to know her and she was in the family mm. yep i, I see that. that yeah mm-hmm. yeah but i think at the same time if you want to enter a political marriage you know do your research. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, do your research. Like, if you already, you can find out if you don't like people. Cause that's why Kudo had like upteen engagements before Mio came along. Nobody was really liking him for real. So, that fa- their Kudo family is also probably more powerful than the other family, though. So maybe they felt pressured to do it. I don't know. Um, there's reasonings for it, you know, but like, I mean, I agree with you. Like, why let your son marry a woman you don't like if you get full say in who your son marries? <laughs> like, yeah. Don't, don't do that. But, you know, I, I guess we see, we've, we've seen this with Mio and the other marriages and stuff we have that the parents aren't really considering the compatibility of the children that much. Yeah. When they do these things. And I guess they sort of jokes on themselves because they didn't consider their compatibility with the child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Are we ready to move into hot fudge? Yes. Yeah. All right. Pete, do you have any hot fudge? Yes. Yeah, shifting my hatred from uh, Kelji over to Arta, I hate this smug prick. <laughs> he pissed me off from the get-go of this, this episode. I mean, you could sort of see him scheming from previous episodes, but this time... Coming, like, kind of face-to-face with Kyoka and being like, yeah, I was there for your wife. Like, I was there when I caught her. Where were you? Man, just, like, it's not Kyoka's fault he wasn't there. Like, she was just out and about. And, and something about him just, I don't know, man. Arta is just getting on my nerves. I am I am not a fan. Yeah. Not yeah. a fan. Yeah. Arata's basically all of my hot fudge for the very same reasons. He's like (laughs) talking down to Mio, insulting her, saying she looks absolutely exhausted. And there's rumors about those rumors about Kyoka must be true that he's so cold hearted and he's like insulting their relationship. And then everything he's saying to Kyoka. I'm also just like to Mio and Kyoka, like who the fuck is this guy and why does what he say matters and why is it affecting them? And why does he feel comfortable saying it? Yeah, like, I feel like it shouldn't even hold, like, a candle, especially after they had that beautiful conversation, like, being really forthcoming and clear and, like, the both of them. And then, like, I feel like him coming around, it shouldn't really have had as big of an impact as it did. But I don't know. It kind of feels like weak villain vibes as of this episode. He, no, he scares the shit. Okay, so this is my take. And I, I, I don't know what happens after this episode so maybe i'm super wrong 
This is what I think he's doing. One, I think he's invading Mio's nightmares. So oh. he knows that she's tired, right? So he he's using that as like a pain point to like stress the relationship. Two, because I guess like the implication is that he's in some way connected to the Usuba family, which is known for mind control and inducing nightmares and like other things. Mm-hmm. So if he was able to like oh, what a coincidence that Mio passed out right when he was there, unless he's magic and made her pass out and made her envision him as Kyoka right before, you know, by implanting thoughts into his head. It's like when he went to the house, he went to the house because he knew Kyoka would not be there. Yeah. That was my take. So everything he's doing is planned and he's creating strife within their relationship intentionally like i think he unsealed the grotesqueries to make sure lord kudo was busy Mm, okay i think he was in some way responsible for that because they seem very fixated on mio and getting her from him and that's why i think they they sort of value what he says because he hits them with like a 40 percent truth right and then he leads them into that being like worse than it is you know so he's like you're tired all the time mio 100 percent true and his fault in what i'm guessing happens i don't i don't know but then he's like you know oh that that puts lord kudo to blame so he's trying to erode that by causing issues and then like preying on those issues is, is how i viewed him i viewed him as a horrifying villain not like a weak villain it's like this guy who's sort of planned and thought out so much and how does he like because like he can hear super well there's that scene where he's walking away after she faints and hazuki says something to mio like oh let's get you home and rest and they're far away and he's like you should rest up mio because stuff's gonna happen Mm. this guy gives me the heebie-jeebies i hate him yeah no looking at it that way that's definitely a lot more terrifying than just like I heard some rumors and I'm going to gaslight you. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think it's more like I started a bunch of rumors and now I'm going to gaslight you. <laughs> yeah. And then he was holding her hand and stuff and I was just like, unhand <gasps> her glasses. Stop this. Where's the alarm? Every time he touches her, I have a visceral reaction. It's so gross. I'm just like, if you don't get your nasty, I don't know where your hands have been, where your soul has been. Where is Yurie? Like I was over it and then he just kept talking out of the side of his neck like oh you look at you you look so tired you've been tired all the time how do you know i'm tired all the time i don't know you because he he's doing it he's doing it he is making her tired yeah so this theory is part of the reason i got so mad at kudo because if they had had this communication she would be aware of someone trying to manipulate her yeah like maybe pick up on the fact that he knew her name without supposed to do all these things that he's not supposed to know and where they live like why do you know (laughs) just all of these things you know like oh that's i thought i was supposed to be meeting him at his house no you didn't you (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know so and like when he touches her it feels so entitled to me yes that's like the vibe i get like i feel like this guy thinks that he has exactly a zero percent chance of losing and that is disgusting when it comes to this kind of relationship Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like like the entitlement to another person is so gross yeah grotesque even yes (laughs) yes uh 
All right. Ice cream, you scream time. Mine is really, really light, so I'm just going to start with mine. I just said RIP to the innocent dude and his dog to the grotesqueries. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Rip Rat Row. I, he oh. he did his best. He started growling, but it wasn't enough. No. They'll both be a symbol of the communist revolution to come. <laughs> <laughs> It's like I Am Legend, where it's like, I don't care when Will Smith died, but man, when that dog died, ooh. <laughs> ooh, oh, or yeah, like, but then, no, I was about to say John Wick, but the guy has got to have, like, the grotesque he's either dead or he has the disease now, yeah. which is so unfair, like... He didn't sign up for a venereal disease. Like, he was just minding his business. We just see him in the background murdering everyone. Like, <laughs> just yeah. a little, like, C-plot in the background of every yeah. scene. That'd Not a, my dog! Yeah, ah, yeah. Kill, killing every grotesquerie or whatever. <laughs> he becomes the chosen one or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Um, But, Pete, what do you have for Ice Cream You Scream? Uh, Surprisingly, I mean, outside of Arta, I thought this was, like, a really good episode and not a whole lot that I disliked. Okay. That's fair. Miles, what do you have? Am I allowed to curse? (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, great. So, for this, I've written down, and, you know, I I, I said this was a problem with me with Kudo, but I just, tell her what you know, you absolute fuckface, is... (laughs) (laughs) yeah because like because like i guess this isn't very fair of me for him but like as i was watching arata manipulate mio and everything i was like if you just talk to your fiance this would all be avoidable yeah that's why i got upset because i think he's still trying to like play hero too much yeah like the last thing we see is her him bringing her into the car and being like let's go confront these people (laughs) yeah that's a lot it just feels very ill thought out yeah yeah i don't know we'll see what happens but i i just oh god i just wish they talked and you can't you know if they had talked then we would avoid this entire subplot which i find to be very interesting Mm. so you know i'm sort of like from like a completely narrative standpoint glad they didn't talk but the entire time i was screaming oh my god please just talk to each other yeah yeah <laughs> like oh yeah did you know that you're descended from this family that has these things that are related to this you know like mm-hmm. he could show up with like the bulletin board with the strings <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that that notebook like the the guy with like the the cabbie hat had you know just be like look we've done a bunch of research into your family yeah <laughs> Chica, do you have any ice cream you scream? One, it's sort of light, but I was just like, Kudo, why didn't you say goodbye to Mio on the phone? He just hung up. That pissed me off. Oh, that's annoying. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Then I said that Mio needs to stop being so hyper-independent and lean on her new family. Mm -hmm. Because my thing is, if she did at least, even if she didn't tell Kudo, she told Hazuki or whatever, like, this is what I see in my dreams, they would realize it was grotesques. And so it's just like, girl, like, oh, just talk like yeah Yeah, maybe they do deserve each other maybe i was taking it out on kudo too much that's 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 honestly very fair like they both have this exact same problem they do they do they both need to learn how to communicate 
Yeah, and then I think this is from the scene where Glasses, when Arata is talking to Kudo again in the hallway after their meeting, and he starts talking about Mio, and I was just like, Kudo, punch him in the throat, because why is he so comfortable <laughs> talking about your significant other when you clearly don't want him to talk about her? Like, why do you feel entitled? Shove his nuts somewhere. I don't know. Like, yeah. Burn him alive. Kudo could, like, make ice lances out of nothing. Just stab him. Right. <laughs> or, like, make his eyeglasses, like, make the glasses break or something. Like, yeah. he can do it. Like, yeah. Um, but that's it. That's it? Yeah. Instead, he's like, oh, he was right. Glasses guy was right. I'm such a... Yeah. Even if he is right, you still gotta get punched. Like- yes. <laughs> like, why are you so comfortable talking to me about my significant other? Why would you go to my house when you told me? Because actually, yes. Why would you? That could have been a hot fudge thing. Why did you tell me that you were going to meet me at my office, but you went to my house on purpose to meet my significant other? And now you're telling me that, oh, I'm doing a bad job. Uh Uh-uh. Yeah. It's time to fight. Like, yeah. They need like a detective friend or something. Like someone who just like big picture thinks it. Yeah. Yeah. Just be like, wait a minute, guys. This is all terrible. What is happening? Yeah. But okay. Is there any remaining ice cream you scream or is that it? But that's it. I think that's it. All right. Well, we made it to the end of episode 53 of Show Show Sunday. I just want to say thank you again to both of you guys, Pete and Miles, for joining us. This has been so fun. Thank you for having us on. Yes, this was wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah. Anytime, absolutely anytime. Before we get into all of our shout outs and outro spiel, we, Chica and I, just want to give a really big thank you and shout out to all of our patrons over on Patreon. If you're interested in checking out what we're doing over there, head on over to patreon.com slash Sunday. But without further ado, let's give a thank you to our patrons, starting with our sprinkles tier. We have Akemi. Pete. Hey, I know that guy. And PJ. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Woohoo! First time, first time we ever had that happen. Right? Yeah. A patron on the podcast. Thank you. And two boys. It's a historical episode. Very much so. <laughs> Thank you, Pete. Um, we also have our whipped cream patrons. We have Mary and Mark M. And for our hot fudge patrons, we have Mackenzie, Aaron, AJ and Mark D, thank you all so very much for being our patrons. Thank you. So, for our What Do You Say Anime Guys, where can the people on the internet find you? Find us anywhere podcasts can be found by searching What Do You Say Anime. We also are a visual podcast, so if you want to see what me and Miles look like on YouTube or Spotify, you can find us at What Do You Say Anime. Just because I wear glasses doesn't mean I'm evil. (laughs) You can find me on this discord or on the what do you say anime discord and i have no other social media so okay but wait actually guys join the what do you say anime discord yeah 
I'm probably not supposed to show favoritism, but besides our own Discord, this is my favorite Discord to hang out in. Oh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, please join their community. So rich and active and like really fun and positive. So highly recommend joining their Discord. Mm-hmm. But if you would like to keep up with Chica and I during the week, you can follow us at Shoujo Sunday across all socials. And that includes Blue Sky and Threads. And Chica, where can the people find you? Yeah, you guys can find me on Blue Sky, Twitter. I don't know if I'll still be private, but I can tell the difference. I can tell like our people when y'all are trying to follow, follow me. So Twitter, Instagram, and I'm Chica Supreme, and that's Chica with a K and not two C's. Okay. And I forgot to do myself. I am Gianna Luna. You can stream my debut single, Twilight Champagne, on any music platform. And you can follow me at Gianna underscore Luna underscore across all socials. On Blue Sky, it's just Gianna Luna. No underscores. They would not let me. So we will catch you guys soon. Well, next, next week Sunday, even. yeah. Yeah. With our finale episode for My Happy Marriage. We will see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.